10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me once again, after some measure of hesitation, is my friend and co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, welcome back. We're doing this again. Uh, I'm kind of like Urban Meyer, where I just think about retiring every year after the season, <laughs> only to be talked back. He, he's not back yet, but I, I have a feeling we're going to hear more from Urban and from the coaching ranks, by the way. Yeah, that's uh, almost certainty at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, Mike, here we are again. It's uh, late August. All of a sudden, it happens. Uh, it, does, it takes forever to get here, and then it's here, and oh, my God, it, how exciting, right, Mike? Here we are in week 0.5, right? Between week zero and week one, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing how fast the season creeps up on you and watched both of the week zero games last week, both highly entertaining in different ways. And another great slate, five straight days of college football starting on Thursday. We will get in, of course, to the week zero review. But I'm wondering uh, just real quick, Mike, if, what are your thoughts on the current state of week zero and would you change anything? I like week zero in that um, I, I don't want it to be an arms race where now they're going to be 10 games on week zero. I like having a couple games on week zero. I love the fact that one of them was Hawaii, a, a nice West coast game that starts at 10 30. That's just, that's just flat out fun. So I'm a fan of week zero. I was not really a fan of, college game day from disneyland it was basically a three-hour commercial for other espn uh, disney and espn owned properties but uh, it was better than nothing yeah i think the disney thing was kind of like oh that's the way of the world these days it's just endless self-promotion i mean it was a little little painful to watch i mean like again we all love game day it's nice to have game day back but it was it was a bit much it was. I mean, the segments where they're they're riding the rides and every coming back from every commercial to have, uh, you know, um, Goofy and and uh, Donald Duck and the mascot characters. You know, ooh, there they are. We're in the control room, and everyone does their fake laugh. It, it wasn't. It wasn't, in my opinion, the, the best shining moment for for game day. But it's still an outstanding show, and it'll be back on track next week in Fort Worth. I have one thought for how to improve Week Zero. Okay. I know logistically it's very very difficult, if not impossible. But my thought is, you could have the. Um, can I have a quick soccer aside here, Mike? Oh, of course. It's already been what three minutes into the first episode. We're talking soccer already. <laughs> so as you know, as it, Mike is now a big English soccer fan, as you probably the, know, the, Mike. The listeners, the listeners don't know that. Uh, after after the season ended, the college football season ended last year. I went to England and went to an Arsenal Chelsea match and. Uh, be, I had to begrudgingly admit that it was awesome. <laughs> right, and now you're a halfway Arsenal fan. So I'm, I'm guessing you know as an Arsenal fan, Mike, that it, England soccer, a world of peculiar things, one of the most peculiar things is um, the winner of the English Premier League at the end of, say, the 2019 season and the winner of the FA Cup in England, they start the next season in a game called the Supporters' Shields 
where it's the winner of the FA Cup versus the winner of the Premier League, right? And it's like it counts as like a, a real trophy, but it's the season after you won the trophy that got you there. My thought is, week zero, what a perfect opportunity for the group of five to do something like that. Wouldn't that be great? Have like the group of five championship game. Interesting. And so the group of what you're not saying the group of five, the highest ranked group of five plays the defending champion. Are you of, of no, I'm saying you the two you highest ranked, the two highest ranked group of five teams at the end of the previous season meet in week zero of the following season. Well, I think that's stupid because in college, <laughs> in college football, the teams could be completely different. They could lose everyone. But the fans don't. The fans just think they're the same, though, Mike. That's the whole point, right? It's just like, you know, you're extending I, your run of Group of Five supremacy into the next season. I kind of like your thinking in that it, it might be cool to set up some kind of annual event to, to kick off Week Zero, whether it's a game at, um, I don't know, the, 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 the Rose Bowl or some iconic college football venue. Um, or something with, um, you know, the defending champ plays, something like that. I know it's hard to do uh, in college football, but I think we had a, a, a great slate with the two games we had this year. I always add one more game. That's all I'm saying, Mike. Anyway, so before we get into the podcast, Mike, as people who've listened to the show for a while know, if nothing else, we are experts at marketing the show, right? We really. <laughs> that is our strength. <laughs> so I just want to tell people. we have the same 10 listeners listening to this. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> Shout out to the inside pitch. That's right. I just want to say, um, yes, we are on social media. Of course, I am on Twitter at IntelligentCFB. Mike is barely on Twitter, but you can find him there if you want to look for him. We are on, on Instagram at Old old College Try Show, and we are on Facebook as well at the Old College Try. Follow us there. I will be doing my best to post content in my new uh, commitment to marketing. This is my goal for the year, Mike. We're going to market the show. Exciting. I, I support that as long as I don't have to do anything about that or contribute to that in any way. But I think your first piece of content that you posted maybe three weeks ago, listeners should go check it out. Your how many word missive on spotting the football? I think it was 6,000 words. 6,000 word missive on spotting the football. It was very well done. I, I highly recommend that everyone go check that out. I got some pushback at my friends at work who are college football fans who uh, they said they enjoy the randomness of spotting the ball. And I just can't, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't what? even engage. I couldn't engage in the conversation. I'm like, that, I refuse. I've yes. never heard that argument made. <laughs> they like the, just like the natural flow of the game and it's just being spotted and moving on. Well, I, I would agree with them in one sense that I would, the thing I would want to avoid the most is stopping the flow of the game after every play to go to some kind of video monitor to check out what the, what the spot actually should have been. It has to be done seamlessly within two seconds so the fans can't even tell that it that you just but the point is you know as a fan that the ball was spotted properly through the use of technology and the game rolls on. Yes. So anyway, check out the column. It's on our website. I will post it on our Facebook page again this week. Perhaps and I'm also working on another column, Mike, about the joys of traveling the country and visiting different spots for college football. That is something we know very well, uh, very much about. Uh, our trip scheduled for October 12th, I believe, this year, being planned by Brian Schlater. I have not looked ahead. I don't have any idea where we're going before. And uh, two weeks after that, I'll be in Clemson. So, Very nice. Uh, we know the joys of traveling the country. It's a, it's, it's a blast going to co- different college football venues all, o- all over the nation. I've also heard the rumor that you are going to be traveling to the Lehigh Valley for Lehigh Lafayette this year, Mike. Is that true? <laughs> that's, that's a perpetual rumor. The problem, with, <laughs> the problem with that is 
it's on the weekend after Thanksgiving. Is that correct? Uh, no, it'd be before Thanksgiving. Before, okay. I think yeah. one weekend it was possibly after, but I, I, that is a possibility. The weekend before Thanksgiving is a possibility this year. I'd love to go see uh, the, the nation's oldest college football referee, right? The most played, yes. The most played. Yes. Anyway, Mike, so... I think 154 now, Mike, actually. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the season has begun. Uh, congrats to Florida and Hawaii for their wins in week zero. But, of course, we have this whole muddled, amazing season ahead of us. My question for you, Mike, I have some a few big picture questions. Of course, the overarching question for college football for the past, what, five years now, are we still living in the world where it's Bama, Clemson, and everybody else, and maybe Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, and everyone else? Or is there? do you anticipate there being a step back from Bama or Clemson? I don't think so. It seems I, can't, I really can't even envision a scenario where Bama and Clemson don't make the playoff. Now, could something happen in the playoff? Sure. But both of those teams, based on their reputations and based on their accomplishments over the past five years – I think could easily lose a game and still make the playoffs and a playoff. And what situation can you imagine either one of those teams losing two games? That's the thing. Clemson is almost They've already punched their ticket. I, you have, to my mind, I think the best quarterback in the country and for the best quarterback in the country, that's a good place to start. The depth is unbelievable. I know the ACC has gotten, I mean, I think we would agree, Mike, the ACC has gotten so much better in the past few years, but they're Not still year, head and shoulders above everyone. Like, they are just so far above everyone else in the conference. It would take them losing twice in the ACC. It's not going to happen. There's no way. Yeah, they, I think they'd have to somehow lose to Texas A&M and then maybe lose to a Syracuse, and Syracuse would run the table and then, uh, you know, actually win the ACC. Um, I don't. It's it's extremely far fetched, isn't it? And uh, so yeah, I think to answer your original question, it's Clemson, one A, Bama two or one B. Then I think you would have Georgia kind of in their own uh, category, just below those two, because Georgia was so close to Bama in the last two years. Then I think you take another step down, and that's where you have your um, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and possibly possibly a Texas this year if Texas can challenge Oklahoma you mentioned Ohio State this is my next question and I think to me this is one of the more I, I, I it, there's been some discussion of it but not to my mind the amount that it kind of deserves and look I've heard Ryan Day interviewed countless times I know his background is I mean a really impressive background the fact that he was picked by Ohio State at his age says a lot about his reputation and what people believe in him but I'm sorry Taking over for Urban Meyer is that's no small thing, right? It's and impossible. He could be he could be an outstanding top ten coach, and he won't be as good as Urban Meyer. Urban right. Meyer. Is He's top five in the history of the game. He's top yeah, five yeah, in the history of the game. Exactly. It's 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 by definition going to be a step back. And you know what I keep thinking of with Ryan Day is Mark Helfrich. Right. When when Helfrich took over from Chip Kelly for a couple of years, Oregon just continued to roll along. Right. They had kind of the same infrastructure the same facilities they had players recruited by chip kelly um these are all these players have all been recruited by urban meyer but it's really going to be how is he going to do in year three and year four and can he prevent ohio state from becoming uh, 
if you look at Ohio State before Urban Meyer, always a team with tons of talent, right? But they were never a superpower like they became once Urban Meyer. Well, tra- when Trestle was there, they were like they were killing. I, I know the Big Ten was bad back then, but, but they I, were I mean, they were awesome under Trestle. They were just. They, a, but yeah. that that's just a di- that's a different era. I mean, yeah. that's, I'm I'm talking kind of. Um, playoff era, uh, Saban era. That that was a long time ago. Now that you think about Trestle, that was like what 2002. They won the title, right? That's 17 years ago. Yeah, we're old, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I have two points. One, we're definitely very, very old. And number two, uh, I agree with you. I think that this year we'll see. We'll see how it affects them. I don't think it'll affect them a whole lot. I think a bigger question is Justin Fields. I mean, everybody's. There's no question about his talent, but has anyone seen him do it on any level of consistency? I don't think so. When you're right, and this, oh my god, and this is the thing too. It's like, I, I, look, everyone said this guy was one of the best quarterback recruits they've seen in a long, long time, and the reality is he, that might be true. He wasn't good enough to beat out Jake Fromm, and I think exactly. Jake Fromm is a fantastic quarterback. He's not Baker Mayfield. He's not yeah. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, like. If this kid was that, he would be the starting quarterback of Georgia right now. That's my thing, right? Of course, I completely. I mean, look at look at Trevor Lawrence is so good that uh, they ran out Kelly Bryant, who was an incredible, had an incredible record, was an outstanding college quarterback, and Dabo said, "We just can't wait. We have to put a Trevor Lawrence in there." Right. And that did not happen with Justin Fields. So I think there are a lot of questions from Ohio State. They have still have a ton, a ton of talent. And not to jump the gun, but I think really one of the most interesting storylines for this season is going to be, can Michigan finally usurp Ohio State in that Big Ten East? And this is my thing. Again, if you look at Ryan Day's background and who he's worked for, I mean, the guy has had a truly impressive education in coaching. He has coached for some of the absolute best. It's no mystery as to why he's where he's at right now. I mean, this guy has coached for the best and impressed the best. I have no doubt that he will be, he will have Ohio State winning, let's say, nine and a half, ten and a half games every single year. But again, you're following Urban Meyer, and you're right. following a situation where the Big Ten title is almost kind of assumed as part of the package, right? Mm-hmm. And a national title every four years is kind of part of the package. And he's coaching against a bunch of dudes in that league now. You have guys like, again, People are like harping on Harbaugh not um, living up expectations. He's still Jim Harbaugh. That guy's been around the block and he knows how to win, right? He's a killer. James Franklin is a pretty accomplished guy. There's other guys in that conference. Mark D'Antonio. All those guys have years and years and years. (laughs) Yes, years of experience ahead of Ryan Day. So you know what yeah. I'm saying here? It's like yeah, he is no, up. He is with a bunch of sharks in that league. So it'll be very, very – again, I think he's a brilliant coach. But being the head coach at Ohio State is a – you think of the guys who have been the head coach at Ohio State. That has got to be – I'm sorry. I don't care how confident you are. That's a big, big job to step into. So I think to me it's one of the most fascinating stories of the year. And we'll see what happens if they – look, it's likely there will be one random upset they suffer. Well, they've they've suffered that with Urban Meyer the past two years, right. to Purdue and to Iowa. The, the point is, Ryan Day can win as, as he did last year. I mean, he won those three games, you know, with his eyes closed. He can win at Ohio State. You can win eight to nine games probably with your eyes closed, to sleep at the wheel, right? Right. It's it's a question of 
when the pressure is on the one to two games that you absolutely need to win to, to go to the Big Ten championship game, to win the Big Ten, to make the playoff, because those are the expectations at Ohio State. So it certainly will be uh, an interesting storyline to watch all season. Mike, the Pac-12, that's still a league, by the way. <laughs> and look, I, I grew up in the – and you grew up in the era, although you were still an NFL guy back then. I remember when UCLA-USC was like the biggest rivalry in the country, and there was a one-versus-two game with Troy Aikman versus um, Rodney Pete Rodney in 1988. Pete, <laughs> that league was so central to college football, and it's not been for a very long time. Is there any chance the Pac-12 is – more involved in the big picture this year i don't think so i think there is one chance and that's oregon beating auburn yeah auburn going on to have a very very good year they don't have to have like the greatest year ever but having a very good year finishing high in their division and then oregon essentially running the table beating washington and and going undefeated with a win over auburn from everything i have read and heard from pundits oregon has an outstanding team they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country They've got a veteran offensive line that's the strength of their team. They've got a ton of stars returning on defense, and they had their first top 10 recruiting class uh, ever, I believe it is, under Mario Cristobal. So I think Oregon is really the only hope for the for the Pac-12 at this point. Some people would say Utah in the south. Utah's got a, a, a great defense. Defense, yeah. Yeah, a returning quarterback, and they're playing in a, a very, very weak division. Um, but they don't really have the opportunity to to showcase themselves on a national stage like Oregon does against Auburn on Saturday night. So that's going to be a fascinating game. And finally, you mentioned before, is this the year that Michigan finally breaks through slash is this the year that Texas finally breaks through? So we have two programs here who understandably are still counted among the best in the history of the game, but have not been themselves. I mean, so the last time Michigan was like a true national contender, we're talking late nineties, right? Yeah. Greasy and yeah, Lloyd Carr and Texas. What that was Oh four Oh five with Vince young. And that was a lot to do with Vince young. Um, well, They've Texas been play, played in the title game and uh, toward the end of Mac Brown. Oh, that's tenure, right. I think. They did with 11 yeah. 12 with Colt McCoy. Yeah. yeah. Redskins Redskin quarterback extraordinaire right now. <laughs> right. So, but again, these two programs kind of stuck in neutral. Are they going to, I think Michigan's got a chance. I'm not, I, I, I'm having a hard time buying Texas though. See, I would kind of put it the opposite uh, as that. I, I think with uh, Ellinger, Texas has, kind of the best could be the best quarterback in the big 12 i mean now you're you're jalen hurts is an outstanding quarterback he's done a lot of winning right but is he the right quarterback for that oklahoma system we really don't know he's also not played quarterback in uh, a couple seasons and texas again they have the opportunity with that game against lsu next week to kind of showcase themselves on a national level get a big win against an sec team michigan until they show me, until they prove, until they I, I see them compete with Ohio State on the same level with my own two eyes, I'm not going to believe it. Now, I know the game is at the big house this year, and if, if they don't do it this year, now this is Michigan with the veteran quarterback. This is Michigan with the more experienced coach. Um, if, this, if they don't do it this year, I would not be surprised to see Harbaugh go to the NFL after this year. Right, just based on frustration, right? Yeah, and and what else can he do? I mean, he's he'd be zero five against Ohio State, and you know that's that's five years. That's a large sample size. And if it's not, it's it really for Michigan. I think it's, I think it's a little bit. Di- the programs are in a little different situation. I think it, for Michigan, it's if not this year, when, 
when are we possibly going to do it if not this year? And for Texas, they might be a year away, you know. Right. But but they, they certainly have the ability, I think, to 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 make that leap and to win the Big Twelve. They've always played Oklahoma well in the, in the in the shootout, even when they don't have good teams. So their problem has been, you know, stumbling against the Iowa States of the world, the Oklahoma States of the world. Um, you know, both of whom are expected to be pretty good this year. So the Big 12 is wide open, but I think uh, I think Texas does have a chance to do it this year. All right, Mike, moving into predictions for the year. This is real quick. You want Give... a prediction more, more bold than I think Texas may have a chance to do it this year? I mean, <laughs> that was pretty decisive. Give me your Big Ten champion and also your Big Ten sleeper. Not... Not a team that's going to win the championship as a sleeper, but a team that like could sneak up and maybe be expected to win four games and wins eight. Yeah, well, I think for the sleeper, you have to look at the West. The West is so wide open, right? There's been a lot of attention on Nebraska, and I think uh, you're looking at Iowa and Wisconsin as kind of your stalwarts. Um, And again, this is all, of course, from what I've read and heard. Looks like a lot of people are very bullish on Minnesota. It's, uh, you know, Fleck has been there a couple years. They came on nicely at the end of last year. It's a wide open division. They've got this stud wide receiver. So I'll go with the Gophers in that category. But I don't see how there's a way for me to pick against Ohio State winning the Big Ten. So I'm going to have to go with Ohio State again this year uh, to win it. Until, until I see it with my own eyes for Michigan, I'm picking Ohio State. I am going with Wisconsin to win the league, Mike. Not the best team in the league. They're going to win the league, though. A lot of people like that. A lot of people think that. And I'm going to say the sleeper is going to be the Maryland Terrapins, Mike. As a proud alum of the Maryland University of Maryland, I'm saying Maryland looked better than thought, and I think they're uh, building towards something better. They have separated themselves from Rutgers. (laughs) (laughs) Have they separated themselves from Indiana, though? That's the question. (laughs) Indiana's got a stud new quarterback who I hope we'll touch on later in the show. Mike Loxley, Towson grad at the helm uh, of the University of Maryland. We all know he's been an outstanding recruiter of this area, which is an important thing that Maryland needs to. It's everything. Yes, it's everything. everything. There's yeah. a lot of talent in the D, the DMV, as they call it, uh, District Maryland and Virginia. He needs to lock that down, and, and all accounts, he's done a pretty good job of doing that. The question with him is what kind of kind of uh, program CEO or in-game coach is he? Because he certainly didn't prove that at the University of New Mexico. SEC champion, SEC sleeper. Mike, go ahead. Uh, first of all, sleeper was not on my agenda for all these conferences. <laughs> I thought it was implied. Uh, the, Big Ten, the Big Ten is the only one I thought about. The SEC champion, hold your breath here, I'm going to go with Alabama because – I can only imagine how focused slash irate Saban and all those players were from the second the title game ended on through the end of this season. Right. Uh, you know, the, the previous years when they've lost, they've come back strong and, and but they've never lost like this. And uh, so I, I fear for the rest of the SEC um, with the way Alabama is going to play. A lot of people like Texas A&M as a sleeper. But they have just a murderer's row. Oh, the schedule. And this is the thing. It's like everyone's saying it. They will be better team this year, but their record may be worse. The schedule is insane. It's insane. They have have an all-time hard schedule. That's a great point. They could be better with a worse record. So uh, 
based on a call that I heard to the Mark Packer show today from a diehard Arkansas fan who just <laughs> gave the rosiest scenario in which the Hogs go 6-6 six and six and make a bowl. It reminded me so much of the way I look at Indiana seasons before they start. I will go with Arkansas. I'm going to go Bama to win it, and then um, I like South Carolina. They're going to be good this year, I think, Mike. Interesting. Herbie on game day was uh, whispering or kind of making nods to the fact that he liked a North Carolina to possibly upset the Gamecocks in, game, in, the, in week one. Totally possible. I still think Carolina is better. This is will be Muschamp's best team, I think, at South Carolina. Um, you have to go with someone from the East. Right. Mike, ACC, champion and sleeper. The champion of the laughter, obviously. That's right, going yeah. that's, that's to be Clemson. Uh, can you call Syracuse a sleeper? I mean, they're they're I think believe they're ranked 22nd to start the season. Uh, everybody's been high on Dino Babers. I don't know if you can call them a sleeper. Perhaps Virginia Tech makes a leap in. Uh, I don't even is it year two or year three for? Uh, it's three. For the, is right? it year three for their new coach. I, right. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, so I'll go with I'll go with Vod Tech. They have a good program history. I got Clemson and Virginia, Mike. Virginia, look out for Virginia this year. Yeah, Virginia's been, you know, they've signs of life from Virginia over the past couple of years. Pac-12. Uh, well, I think the champion is going to be Oregon. Uh, and can you can you call Utah a sleeper? They're not really a sleeper, nah, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, then I will go with Arizona State. I'm going to go champion Utah and sleeper. Man, it's tough in the Pac-12. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll go Arizona State. I'm all in with uh, Coach. What's his name? Herm. <laughs> Herm. Go Herm. I think he's doing good things out there. All right, Mike. You don't see many people named Herm anymore these days. Very rare. Your CFP finalist, Mike. Who makes it? Well, Tim, I have to go. There's two obvious ones, and then it gets very complicated after that. Yeah, well, I'm going with the obvious ones. I'm going with uh, with Clemson and Bama. I mean, I just and, – and if you want me to pick my other – No, no, the all, all four. All four. All four. Okay. I'm going to go with Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and Texas. I got Bama, Clemson, Wisconsin, Georgia. Interesting. All right, I could see I could see the dogs. Uh, you know, you could easily get two in from the SEC. Right. Um, I, I really think, though, if, if Texas can beat LSU, and depending on what LSU does, that could throw kind of a crink – into the two from the SEC into the playoff. Who's your Heisman winner, Mike? Uh, it's Tua. I think that you're going to see a kind of a reverse script from last year uh, where Tua basically didn't even play in the second half for most of the season. I think that hurt his numbers and also maybe hurt his performance when they had tougher competition toward the end of the year. I don't think that's going to happen again this year. He Obviously, there will be games where he doesn't play in the second half, but he's going to play a lot more. He's going to rack up some incredible, incredible numbers. You might, and Trevor Lawrence actually might be the one sitting a lot of second half. So, I think Tua won the Heisman. I'm going to go Lawrence. I think I think he's just he's almost the, the perfect quarterback, and he's going to be so much better this year. I think. So I'm going with Lawrence, um, coach of the year. And I'm not saying the coach with the best team in the country, but someone right. you think will make a name for himself this year. Um. There's again, there's so many possibilities for this one, but like, what do you think? There are. I mean, it, you you look at PJ Fleck with Minnesota. You can look at Matt Campbell with Iowa State. I could see Tom Herman winning it if Texas has uh, has the huge year. So I'll, I think uh, out of those three, I'll go with uh, with Tom Herman. You could see Kyle Winningham uh, winning it as well. 
I think if, if Utah go, runs a table, goes undefeated, I've which got is Her- a possibility based on their schedule. I've got Herman, too. I think they're going to actually take a step forward. They're not going to be in the playoff, but I think they're going to be Texas again this year, which yeah. was part of his job. Um, Mike, the top 25, our favorite part. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> 25 to 1. I, I got, Hold on. i got to find the uh, – Others receiving votes. That's the, almost the best part of the entire thing. That, that's by far the best part. Right. Uh, it, and, and also also 25 to 20. It, it's a lot better, <laughs> you know, toward the middle to the end of the season when there are, it's clear there are not even 25 good teams. So you you laugh and say, why is that team even ranked? But Let me see here. Oh, I have the top 25, Mike. Great preparation. All right, here we go. <laughs> Others receiving votes. Let's, let's let's scroll through this. We got USC and Arizona with one vote each. Interesting. <laughs> All right. uh, That's gonna, they lost their vote based on uh, last week against Hawaii. Missouri got 117 votes. Some people are pretty high on Missouri with Kelly Bryant. Northwestern, 63 votes. TCU, 57. The aforementioned UVA, 44. Uh, South Carolina, 15. Utah State, 8 votes. Huh. Your boys at Minnesota, seven votes. They're not my boys. Appy State, five votes. And uh, that's basically it. I do enjoy, though, Arizona State and Arizona, both they got the three votes and one votes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Arizona promptly <laughs> lost. Right. So let's go through from 25 to 1. From 25 to 20, ready? Stanford, yep. Nebraska, Wazoo, Syracuse, Iowa State, Iowa. <laughs> I love, by the way, how... The schools from the same state always end up next to each other. Like I just said, Arizona and Arizona State are next to each other, and we have <laughs> Iowa State and Iowa. It's not a yes. coincidence, by the way. Not a coincidence. I, I think out of those five teams that you just said, Iowa State um, kind of ha- they have the most buzz going about them. A lot of people high on Nebraska as well because of an easy schedule. Year two under Frost and Adrian Martinez returning as quarterback. So those two, I think, are your your uh, your possible up and comers. 19 to 15 we got wisconsin michigan state ucf auburn and penn state that's a very um interesting group and they're like all kind of the same aren't they so again it's they are whiskey well, that, that, whiskey sparty ucf auburn penn state i think whiskey has the best chance to move up out of those five um what uh what do you think about penn state's ranking what's your what's your original initial thoughts um, so I'm sure many listeners with reference. I think this Penn State team is very similar to the 1996 Penn State team, Mike. Remember that team? Of course. Who could forget? <laughs> so refresh my memory, though. And I think for all those all those listeners out there who might not know about that, there was a lot of young talent, young awesome talent that wasn't ready to play for the big stuff yet. But as the season went along, they got better and better, and they crushed Texas in the bowl game. They went 11 and two. I think. Clifford, the quarterback, is going to be fine. We have immense talent running back. Micah Parsons is going to be the best linebacker since LeVar Arrington we've had. And um, K.J. Hamler is just incredible. They will start slow and get better. They'll lose to Ohio State and Michigan, but they will, by the end of the year, be playing. They'll be be a top-10 team by the end of the season. Wow, that's a bold, uh, bold prediction. Now, let me ask you this. Did that 19, in that 1996 team, did Joe Paterno force injured players to take the field <laughs> and then fire the doctor when uh, he, he dared to uh, to stand up to the, the, his tyrancy? 
It's totally possible. I mean, possible. You never know. Yeah, I'm sure that happens a lot. I'm well, yeah, I, I discussed it. I mean, like that probably happens not, everywhere. I'm saying it happened at Penn State, <laughs> but I'm sure it happens a lot. Yes, uh, fourteen to ten, Utah, Washington, A and M, Oregon, Texas. Another great group. I love that group. It I mean, is. Utah seems like the team again. The team that can that can uh, move to the top. Washington, I just know nothing about uh, other than Jacob Eason's taking over at quarterback. Another guy who couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Right. Um, and Washington's kind of been the the standard bearer of the Pac-12 in the past couple years. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Oregon, Utah, or another team can can kind of knock them off the mountaintop this year. We got nine Notre Dame, eight Florida, seven Michigan, six LSU. I think my initial thoughts are Notre Dame and Florida are overrated in that group. They will drop. Um, that's what that's my initial thoughts there, especially having watched the Gators against a Miami team that, by the way, I think does have a good defense. I know we'll get to that game here in a little bit, but um, I wasn't overly impressed by uh, Florida's performance. I, I have no idea why Florida's ranked number eight in the country. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, because they, they got a big boost from the bowl game in which they beat Michigan last year and they won 10 games and they're Florida, but they don't seem to have the firepower on offense um, either last year or this year from in the Miami game that uh, that I think would keep them in the top 10. It, it needs to be said again, and I've said it before in the show too, Florida, and again, I have a good friend at work who went to Florida. I'm sure it's a fine university, Mike. The logo is embarrassingly bad. Can we get rid of the cartoon gator? It's so bad. It's like why I'm a huge fan of the cartoon Oriole Bird. No, no, no. But look at the gator. It's it's like well, it it's not even a logo. It's a cartoon. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's gotta go. All gotta right. go. That's no the class there from Florida. Does your uh, does your friend coworker agree with that? Uh, probably not. But oh, he went there, so you know. <laughs> Uh, finally, five through one. Ohio State. This is a shocking list of teams here. My top I know. five. <laughs> Got Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Bama, Clemson, and you just know that Nick Saban lays awake at night all night, annoyed. He's number two and not number one. He might be annoyed, but I think he's. It may, I mean, deep down, he might be annoyed, but I think outwardly, he's happy because he can write that number two on the dry erase board every day before practice and yell at his team. Look. You're number two. They think you're number two. He loves the perceived slight, right? He can take being ranked number two, even though they should be ranked number two, and use it as an us-against-them kind of mentality thing. So I think he kind of likes that. But those top five teams, that's kind of like, I would say, a mini problem for college football. Yeah, it is. It is. is. in, in In the playoff era here, especially the last, I don't know, three, four, five years, there has really been a very, very small group of elite teams, and uh, I think we do need somehow a little more parity. Would would help the overall health of the game. And that's where you need teams like Michigan and Texas and USC and Penn, and Penn State, State. Yes. to step up and like break through that. And like, look, Georgia. We all agree Georgia is a really, really solid team. They haven't won the games they've needed to won to actually get there, right? So like. Yeah. All these schools need to like break through. You think of Texas A and M, LSU, A and M. How many more resources do you need? Yeah, to... <laughs> like it's it's insane. Look, maybe Scott Frost in Nebraska brings that back. Who knows? But yeah. like, I mean, they these now second tier team Tennessee, Tennessee yeah, needs to be better. My God, 
they're completely free. They're not even in that same group with the teams we just mentioned, Tennessee. No. They still have a long way to go to get there. Right. So anyway. All right, Mike. We can review. So I know you watch both games very intently. What are your thoughts on Florida 24, Miami 20? First of all, I thought it was – I watched them both. I recorded them and watched them on Sunday, which was a great move by me. Fast forward through all the commercials, got them, all done, got them both done in about four hours. Uh, it was great having college football back. Um, and I think that was a fun atmosphere uh, down in Orlando. Uh, they said it was about half and half with the Gators fans and Hurricane fans. You could tell that the teams were fired up and played with a lot of intensity, but it was a very sloppy game. A lot of penalties, a lot of boneheaded penalties, a lot of turnovers. As I said, Miami has an underrated defense. They had a very good defense last year, even when the, the season kind of got away from them because of their bad offense. Manny Diaz is back. They've got great linebackers. So I, I wouldn't panic quite as much if I were a Florida fan about how bad their offense looked. But you just have to ask yourself, is Felipe Franks an elite quarterback? And I just no. haven't seen any. Yeah, I haven't seen anything <laughs> no. that convinces me that he is, which, you know, makes makes Florida's ranking suspect to me. Uh, I think Miami is on the right path. It won't happen this year for them. But Manny Diaz seems to be the right coach. I mean, he's a son of the mayor of Miami. Um, he's a smart guy. He used to work for ESPN. Everybody uh, has sung his praises as a defensive coordinator. He knows the city. He knows how to recruit there. Their young quarterback played with a lot of poise behind an offensive line that had, you know, three freshmen and was just getting whooped by the Gators. So it was a super entertaining game, but it was not as entertaining a game as the Arizona-Hawaii game from the island of Oahu. That was an absolute blast. And Hawaii should have won that game 75 to 21 if they didn't have all the turnovers <laughs> i've never seen a line like this cole mcdonough their quarterback had three touchdowns and three picks in the first half he had over 400 yards and then was benched for the guy who came in was to his backup in high school he played phenomenally through another couple touchdown passes and did you see the last play of this game incredible right absolutely and i have to give credit to our our, our uh our buddy Rick Neuheisel, who we both love listening to um, on Sirius Satellite Radio during the week. He's, I'm blanking on the name of the show, but it's on from 11 to 1. Full ride. Full ride, yeah. And uh, he was doing the play-by-play for CBS, and as the clock ran out, it was fourth and whatever. There was time for only one play. They were they were about on the 37? 30, 30, 30, 30, yeah. 25 to 30-yard line. Khalil Tate starts scrambling around. The play seems like it's taking – 25 seconds of real time and in the middle of it rick newheisel starts yelling he can do this he can do this and he looks like right as he's about it looks like he's about to score the tying touchdown he gets tackled at the one shades of the the super bowl with the titans and the rams which newheisel also referenced awesome way to end week zero and uh just a really really entertaining game uh plus you know for those of us who had Hawaii plus 11 it, it made it uh, even doubly sweeter but that play what was most amazing about it was that Tate only scrambled out of the pocket because Hawaii's D lineman this one guy chased him out yeah. of the pocket and then chased him down to the one yard line the D lineman never <laughs> yeah. gave up on the play yeah that was, it was it was spectacular uh, just a um, great but, but it was Hawaii just dominated the game Arizona looked terrible they looked poorly coached there was one segment where they were trying to kick a field goal. They chose not to t- call a timeout. They got a delay a game. Or, or, then they got a false start. Then they got another false start. Then they had to call the timeout when the clock wasn't even rolling. It was embarrassing. Um, I, I'm not convinced that uh, Kevin Sumlin is a good coach. Yeah, 
we shall see. All right, Mike. Tough, tough loss for the Pac-10, too. Right, Pac-12. definitely. All right, game. There's so many games. Again, you said there's five straight games, start days of games, right, this weekend. So I yep. tried to pare it down as much as I could. We still have a ton to talk about. Here we go, Mike. Games of the week, starting with Thursday, 8 p.m. Georgia Tech, new era under Jeff Collins, formerly of Mighty Temple University. Mike traveling number one Clemson. Thursday, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. Does Georgia Tech? First of all, we're gonna see Georgia Tech without the triple option for the first time in how many how many years, Mike? Uh, like 10 years or something under Paul Johnson, right? What a, a cultural change that is, by the way. And like, there's players there, obviously, who recruited to play triple option, and they're not playing that anymore. So don't expect much from Georgia Tech this year, but I think it was time for a change. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think we could probably agree that Clemson's probably going to blow the doors off them, but I think a fascinating game to watch from the perspective of a, of a, of a program and a team completely changing how they're doing things. Well, it's interesting you say a fascinating game to watch because I will not be able to watch it at home because I am not a I, I will not I just learned I do not have the ACC network. <laughs> do you have it up there in, in the Philadelphia area? Well, now you we have, have YouTube. We, we have YouTube TV now, so there's things I'm surprised I do have and things I expect I would have that I don't have. So I don't know yet, Mike. I'll find have out. You you have cut the cord, Tim, huh? I believe me, I was uh, so terrified of the idea because like I was like, like sports, sports, sports. Right. We're YouTube TV now. We were on Verizon or whatever. Um, I have more sports now than I did under Verizon. We're paying $38 a month. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. So uh, I won't be able to look into it before Thursday, <laughs> there, so I won't be watching this game. Um, but I tell you who will. Um, noted listeners, Ryan Tozier, Alan Dickerson, Doc Christie, and Matt Zarch. They are doing a – actually, I don't think Doc Christie is going, but they're doing a day trip from Atlanta to Clemson watching the game and then driving home after the game. Um, and then I believe the plan was for them to go to work on Friday, which that sounds, sounds uh, that's the worst idea ever. It sounds absolutely miserable, but right. uh, you know, kudos to them for going. Yeah. This game, Tim, we also, we used to have a, but we used to work together and we had a boss who was fond of saying over and over and over. It's a big ship. It's going to take a long time <laughs> to turn it around. And of course, at the place where we worked, it was never turned around. No. Um, but that, I think that, that saying, is apropos for Georgia Tech this year because and uh, next year because it's going to take them several years to, to, to recruit the kind of players who are not going to play in a triple option. But uh, hopefully Jeff Collins, your boy from Temple, can uh, make it happen. Clemson, 37-point favorites. Uh, I will still take the Tigers. How about this for week one? Number 14, Utah at BYU, Mike. 10-15 Thursday ESPN. Great game for us as fans. What's better than the Holy War on week one? Absolutely. I'll have more to say about this game a little later. Very nice. Uh, how about Tulsa at number 18, Michigan State? Fascinating. F- 7 p.m. Friday on Fox Sports 1. Well, it's, I, I find it fascinating that you find that game fascinating. Tulsa, to uh, me, is a fascinating school overall. <laughs> Michigan State, 22 and a half point favorites. Uh, seems like this could be a bounce-back season for uh, for Michigan State, right? The, either the Either the Spartans or the Nits are going to be really good, but not both. So yeah, we'll that's, that kind of seems like that's how it always goes. It's the, it's the battle for the third tier, <laughs> right, of, right. Uh, for the third spot in the Big Ten East. Yes. Of course, Michigan State was 7-6 and six overall, and they, they just seemed last year, they seem under D'Antonio to be a kind of an every-other-year kind of, kind of team. 
Here's an existential question for you, Mike. What happens to Sparty when D'Antoni retires? Yeah, the, uh, who knows? Does uh, do they have some assistant that they're grooming there? I or no. no. They're, they're, do, can you right, name one there's guy? No, there's no kind of natural next guy. I mean, do you think like maybe Luke Fickle would go there? That would be a, kind of an interesting oh, hire. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, Mike Leach at Michigan State. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, he, talk about a, a a cultural change for a team <laughs> from Michigan State, D'Antoni to Mike Leach. I'm a fan of Mike Leach going anywhere remotely that has a remotely more visible than Pullman because I love Mike Leach, but he's really lost out there. He really is. Uh, number 19, Wisconsin at South Florida, 7 p.m. Friday, uh, ESPN. 12.5-point favorites, Wisconsin. Kind of an interesting game. Like, Wisconsin going down to play at Tampa. Right. Um, it could be, you know, 100 degrees there. When's the last time Wisconsin people – well, you know, played a game in that conditions. I understand they probably practice in those conditions. Charlie Strong's team, I think Wisconsin will win, but it's kind of an odd matchup. I think it's a danger game for Wisconsin. That's yeah, just a tough trip. I, it is. It's just it's just a bizarre trip on a th- and playing on a on a Friday too. How about this game? So this is one to me. I'm like, wow. You you talk about two teams who are a little brother in your their own state, like venturing out and playing each other. How random is Oklahoma State at Oregon State? 10:30 yeah. p.m. Friday, FS1. I noticed that too, and I think it had to be something with the. They said, "Who else is OSU? <laughs> going to have to go. The OSU's have to get together because you're right. That is extraordinarily random. Um, the Cowboys, fourteen and a half point favorites. A lot of people seem to be bullish on the Cowboys this year as well. They brought in the Princeton offensive coordinator, who uh, I love it every time anyone talks about him. They say this guy's really smart, and I'm sure he is because <laughs> he was at, he was at Princeton. I love this one, Mike. How about Indiana versus Ball State, noon Saturday, CBS Sports Network at Indianapolis? Lucas Oil, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. That's where they'll be playing it. The last time, I believe it's the last time these two tangled was in 2011 when Ball State beat Indiana 27-20. Of course, Tim, this is a must-win as all of Indiana's right. non-conference games are. Who's your 17-point favorites? They made a little bit of a splash by going with Michael, naming Michael Penix. The starting quarterback over Peyton Ramsey. Two, Ramsey basically started and played almost all of the past two seasons, but Penix definitely has a bigger upside. He's from Tampa, and anytime you read any story about him in the Indianapolis media, they always mention that he was recruited by Florida State. Do you ever think that these guys, you know, maybe once when he was in 10th grade, a Florida State coach, you know, once talked to him about possibly would he be interested in becoming a Seminole? No offer was made, and mm-hmm. then from that point on it becomes oh this guy was recruited by florida state i don't know if that's the case if that's if that's situation in Penix's case but i always think that whenever you you hear a guy on on an obviously i hate to say this second tier program they're like oh he was recruited by alabama (laughs) (laughs) it it always makes me raise an eyebrow but of course i will be watching at noon cbs sports that's odd kind of an odd network to 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 cover that but i will be watching at noon the Hoosiers uh, kick off the season against the Ball State Cardinals, the alma mater, of course, of one David Letterman. Uh, where are you watching, Mike? At your your abode, or are you going down to Canton? I will be, well, my abode is in Canton, so I won't have to go down there. Um, I will be watching at home before making my way out for the afternoon games. How about Ole Miss at Memphis noon ABC on Saturday? Here for one reason, we've been to Ole Miss, and we flew into Memphis to go to Ole Miss, and... I can't imagine if you have a choice to go to one of those two schools, you would choose the Memphis in the situation, right? 
I, I definitely agree with agree with you there. Maybe if you were a basketball player, right? Know, yeah, or, yeah. Or like a blues guitarist. Um, <laughs> the, one of those two. One of those two professions. I think if those were, were what you were interested in, you'd, you'd pick Memphis. But how odd is this? Memphis five and a half point favorite over an SEC team. Oof. Um, and Ole Miss, boy, they 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 really they pop up once every what eight nine years. Yeah. And you know, I just think it would be better if they were a six and six team, a seven and five team, because um, then you'd have your your odd CBS three thirty or two thirty game on a Saturday, and then you get your scenes of the your, your shots of the Grove. I, I'd rather they be a, bit, a little bit better than they are. I mean, Matt Luke is their coach. That can't last for much longer, can it? No. How about uh, Duke versus Alabama three thirty ABC? Of course, in Atlanta, Mike. No. What is the point of this game? What is the point <laughs> of this game? I really have no idea. It must have been a, a poker match between Saban <laughs> or something like. Can't you? Do, I could see those two playing poker. I bet those two are, are good friends. Alabama, thirty-three and a half point favorites. Alabama, of course, a long tradition of not covering huge lines like that. Um, so I would lean toward Duke and the points. But uh, great, great question. What is the point of this game? I I can't answer it. Speaking of which, how about Idaho at Penn State, three uh, thirty BTN, Mike? Again. Idaho, Penn State, is that how's that happen? Who <laughs> puts that together? Did Penn State have another opponent drop out? Possibly, uh, who knows? Yeah. Now, because the Vandals, correct me if I'm wrong, they dropped down. They're one double A now, right? I think they're going to drop down. I, I don't think okay. they've dropped down yet. No, they're still. We'll have, we'll have to yeah. research that. Um, Penn State, forty point favorites against the Vandals. That's uh, a big. I'm sorry, it's a big line for a new quarterback. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's a big line for anybody. Yeah, yeah. but it is certainly a uh, an odd matchup. The Smart People Bowl, Northwestern at number twenty five, Stanford, four p.m. Fox. Um, there's some expectation for Northwestern this year. I feel like Stanford number twenty five is almost kind of like condescending. Like, well, they're usually pretty good, so make them twenty five. Right? It was kind of like, uh, Stanford has to be here somewhere. So, <laughs> yeah, they're there? six and a half point favorites. Um, on the farm, it is kind of a fun match. That's kind of a fun week one matchup. I mean, at least it's it's two uh, ostensibly evenly matched programs. <laughs> right. Uh, Vatek at Boston College, 4 p.m. on the ACC network. I think this is a really important year for Vatek. Um, yeah. I think most years for Boston College aren't that important at all. It's kind of like <laughs> they're good or bad. It doesn't really matter. Do you think people in Justin Hill are going crazy if they're not good, Mike? No, I think they're they're they're. Pro- <laughs> They are they are, talk about an overlooked team in their own city. I mean, you have the Celtics, the Red Sox, and the Patriots and the Bruins, four of the most iconic franchises in all of sports, right? Right. And then you've got Boston College. Uh, so, right. yeah, I don't seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, this is the um, third season for Fuente. Interesting to open. I would think it's kind of fascinating when teams open with a conference game. Um, Vatek four and a half point road favorites. Weather shouldn't be a factor, which is uh, you know a good break for Vatek. <laughs> Speaking of being BC, so in sports you are like dwarfed by these four giants in your town, and then you're at college and you're in the same town as Harvard and MIT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're you're dwarfed in academics as well. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, number three, Georgia at Vanderbilt, seven thirty SC Network. Name one thing about Vanderbilt, Mike. One thing. Uh, when I went to a game there at the stadium, when you walk in the main entrance, and this was, I don't know if it's still there because this was, I don't know, 20, 
2012, 2010, something like that. They had, instead of a picture of, like, football players, they had a, a giant picture of just grads in their caps and gowns and, <laughs> and something on there about their GPA. And that was, that was their entire kind of uh, marketing plan for the football season. Number 11, Oregon versus number 16, Auburn. The big game of the weekend, 7.30 p.m. ABC, of course, at Arlington for some ungodly reason. Um, yeah, that's horrible. The only good thing about that is game day making the wise decision to set up in Fort Worth as opposed to Dallas. Yeah. Uh, this summer, I went down there as part of my Orioles road trip. We went to see some Texas Rangers games, and we stayed in Fort Worth. Great little city. Yeah. A lot of, lot of fun restaurants, a lot of great bars. Very walkable, very uh, very nice city, very nice people. As opposed to Dallas, was just a bunch of blah. It's just yeah. a bunch of tall buildings and highways. And so I applaud the game day folks for picking Fort Worth over Dallas. Three and a half point spread here. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking Oregon. I think it's going to be a close game, and I think I'll just I'll, I'd rather have the points. Uh, you know, Auburn with an unproven quarterback. Um, I think Auburn's getting a lot of juice for being in the SEC, which, of course, they should. They have, they do have a great defense, but it's strength against strength, Oregon's offense against Auburn's defense. I'm I'm very excited to watch this game. Does Gus last the year? What's that? Does Gus last the year? Oh, yeah. That's a g- every It seems like every game is a referendum on right. that poor guy. I mean, when I say poor guy, at least he's not, uh, you know, literally poor because all, for a coach they don't like, Auburn has certainly paid him. Right. A ton, a ton of money. But eventually, it seems like they're going to have to cut cut the bait and move on, doesn't it? Right. Um, Houston at number four, Oklahoma, 730 ABC. This is on. This is Monday now, right? Monday? Sunday. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an interesting game, I guess. It's, you know, whatever. It, it is. Oklahoma, 24-point favorites. And there was a lot of talk on game day about Dana Holgerson's got this great – Houston continues their tradition of great quarterbacks with this guy, De'Ara King. Um Oklahoma, and of course, Houston got Oklahoma in an opener, I don't know, eight to ten years ago. Not that that has any any factor on anything, but yeah, it, it's at least it's at least a game you turn in and watch watch the first half, see if it's close, right? It's the right. only game on Sunday night, and it, it's enough to get you to flip the game on. Finally, number nine Notre Dame at Louisville, eight p.m. ESPN. Also, kind of a random game, right? Yeah. Now, see, this is one's on Monday, and this is the direct opposite of Oklahoma Houston. There's not enough intrigue. For me to flip this game on at 8 p.m. on a Monday <laughs> night of a three-day, when a three-day weekend is coming to an end, that's depression. Uh, that's depression time for me, and you don't want to get sucked into this game. Um, Notre Dame 20-point favorites uh, against Louisville. All right, Mike. So last year we we both struggled a bit with our picks, correct? Um, let me get my stats up. Sorry, I wasn't ready for that, Tim. Keep right. talking for a second. So yeah, so uh, for this is year one of the podcast, Mike. Year what? five six do you have any idea I, mike i thought it was seven so and i think over the course of the history of the podcast i think we we both did fairly well with our predictions right yes i was i was uh i can't find them right now but i was above 500 for all years until two years ago and i've been <laughs> under 500 for the last two years that kind of does match up though with our changing lifestyles and our <laughs> <laughs> changing ability to spend as much time as possible watching college football. So I think there's a trend line there that might like may kind of like align. What do you think? That, Mike? Abso- absolutely. I mean, we, we used to 
be let's just say more studious. We're 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 certainly just as much, uh, you know, we're just as big fans of the game now as we were then. But I don't think we invest quite as much time, and we're not quite as studious over it. Right. You were above 500 last year, by the way. I was under 500, um, but I still have a better record overall in terms of winning percentage. So I am, I'm trying to start the year. It's very important to start with the win, right? It, it sets the tone for the entire season, right? It, it does. I am feeling actually very confident in my pick. Oh. Although you had just disparaged it about, about 10 minutes ago, so I'm a little nervous <laughs> now. So, um, all right, Bobby hit the bumper. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't gamble. I don't. Pushers. I never have. For my first lock of the year, Tim, we are going to Provo, Utah, as you referenced earlier in the show, the Holy War. First of all, uh, is there a better nickname for a rivalry game than the Holy War? No, Invoking God is really good in any context, yes. (laughs) It definitely (laughs) says we take this game very, very seriously. And I love the fact that they're opening up with this game because in previous years, this rivalry has suffered as others have when Utah has had another game of the Pac-12 title game the week after playing BYU. The same thing has happened in Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. A lot of these rivalry games that were traditionally played um, on the last day of the regular season have kind of been hurt because of the conference championship game. So I love the fact that they're moving it up to week one. I know ideally would it be played after 10 p.m. on a Thursday? No, it wouldn't. But uh, as I said, Utah, a lot of people high on the Utes this year. As am I. Utah 4-0 uh, against the spread in their last four meetings against BYU. The road team 4-1 against the spread in the last five head-to-head. Um, so I think I'm going to take Utah minus the six points against BYU. I think it's going to be a big year for the Utes. I'm taking Utah. It's level of confidence, Mike. For week one, Tim, you got to go with 100% confident. Well, 99. I'm going to go with 99% <laughs> confident on that pick. Okay, so my and pick. Confidence will only drop as the season moves along. And my pick, again, I, I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? I almost feel like this is a absolute certainty. I can't see it not happening. And correct me if I'm wrong, sports gambling legal in Pennsylvania yet? Uh, I think we have sports books now. I don't know, really, Mike. I have no well, idea. Well, you can just make a short drive to Delaware and uh, put your money where your mouth is. Right. I can't see Bama not covering the number against Duke. I think Bama this year, everything you're reading about them and hearing about them is that they are, like, deeply insulted and yes. angry from last year. And they should. And, right, and I, I, I just feel like Duke is, like, the proverbial sacrificial lamb that's getting the first brunt of this imagine imagine summer camp what it's been at bama and saban oh. like crushing these kids and yes. they're just going to want to hit somebody else really hard and i think i think, I think you're right so the line i was seeing i thought i saw it was at 30 but you're saying it was what it's 33 and a half now i'm still confident in 33 and a half mike well let me just tell you that Alabama oh, has not covered the spread in their last four non-conference games, and that's not because they've lost any of those games. They certainly have not. They get out to these huge leads, and Saban just, for whatever the reason is, he has this habit of not covering the huge spreads. 
Um, now this might be different. I think you might be right. This is this is a different season. He, you know, the last time Alabama played, they were embarrassed. They were blown out. They were humiliated. Um, that was against Clemson. This is against Duke. So maybe they take it all out on Duke. Maybe their second teamer. I'm sure Alabama's second teamers are better than Duke starters, right? Right. So even if uh, the second teamers come in the second half, as long as Saban lets the lets uh, you know keeps his foot on the on the gas. I see where you're coming from with that with that spread, but it would just make me nervous knowing the history of Saban not covering those huge spreads. But um, I, I think it's a solid pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on this one, Father Mick. I know this is a tough one, and even I, I spent all day thinking about it. I, I had a hard time picking one. I need one crazy prediction from you from the season. Either a player who's going to be randomly in the Heisman race, or a team that's going to suddenly become bigger on the scene than people expect them to just one thing and it, it could be outrageous mike that's the whole point of the question give me one crazy prediction michael Penix, heisman trophy candidate <laughs> from indiana hoosiers win eight games i am saying i think missouri is going to be a legitimately really good team this year I think Missouri is going to be a factor in the SEC. That's not that crazy. With with Kelly Bryant, uh, they have a, they have a good defense as well, and they're in the East. They're in the right side of the SEC, right? I don't think that is all that crazy a prediction. I mean, it it definitely qualifies under crazy predictions, uh, but so I think it's a solid one. I applaud you. You know, some teams you talk about, like people say, like, oh, college football is better when Miami's good, or college is better when Notre Dame is good. No one says that about Missouri, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> never heard that uttered but personally i've always had a weird soft spot for missouri i I think like what you know they're kind of like they are truly lost because they were lost in the shuffle in the big 12 yeah they're lost in the shuffle in the sec they don't even belong in the sec let's be honest right of course not i think they're best known for losing that five down game to nebraska that's their absolutely program achievement absolutely um you know oddly I read, you know, you read these lists all the time. We're, we're, we're plagued with lists in our society now. But, of course, what is one to read during a slow work day in June, you know, when we're nowhere <laughs> near the season? I read one of these lists where Columbia, Missouri was listed as one of the best college football towns. Right. And I've heard that one of my staffers went to grad school at Missouri and speaks glowingly of Columbia. Yeah, see, I've never heard that in a college football context. I, I know it's a very good school, especially for journalism. Um, you know, it's a big state school. I'm sure it's 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 a it's a lovely town and beautiful, but I've never heard it included on any of those lists. So I'm uh, color me intrigued when it comes to Columbia, Missouri. It's on my short list for our trip, Mike. Okay, it's on my very long list. For it's up there trips. with uh, Utah. Salt Lake City is on my list as well. <laughs> well, Utah, we could be if you're picking next year, we could be going to a game for the defending national champions, the Utes. Right. All right, Mike, uh, I think that's pretty much it. This has been a long podcast. It's been fun, though. We've been talking in depth, Mike, in a long time. I know. It's great. You've convinced me to do another season, and I'll be burned out in about two weeks. <laughs> so I guess there's one thing. So first of all, folks, thanks again for listening, all 10 of you. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to try our best to market the hell out of this podcast this year. Look out. This is our year. <laughs> Right, <laughs> half of us are going to try our best, to market it, and I, I wish that half, I wish that half the best. And there's one thing to say, Mike. Pajas. Pajas. Thank you for listening to the TCFN podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit IntelligentCollegeFootball.com.